You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Broncos Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya of Denver Gazette, and my good friend, the always chipper, the always great Nick Ferguson. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing uh, great, George. How about yourself, man? It's good, man. It's good. Busy. Uh, you know how it is this time of year. Uh, it's starting yes. to get really busy, but uh, super excited. They, you know, they get another primetime game this week, Sunday Night Football. Uh, playing the 49ers. I, I think that this is such an interesting game, Nick, because we've seen the Broncos really struggle through the first two games, right? And and really against not very great teams. Now they're getting to play a team in the 49ers that, you know, maybe they're Super Bowl contenders now that they've had a, a switch at quarterback. I know we'll dive a little bit into that. Uh, they're definitely a, a playoff caliber team. We've seen that from them in, in recent years. Nick, just what jumps out to you about this 49ers team is, is we kind of dive into to previewing them. The one thing about the 49ers team that, that sticks out to me is obviously the man uh, who stirs the drink, I guess the straw that stirs the drink, and that's Devo Samuels, man. I know everyone's talking about uh, the switch from quarterback to Garoppolo from Trey Lance. Unfortunately, he was injured. But the offense changes so much with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, under center but it is the guy, Debo Samuels, that they definitely want to feature. Kyle does a great job of getting him involved with the offense, either the tunnel screen, a slip screen, or putting him in the backfield and handing the ball off to him. And I thought at one point uh, when last, well, in the offseason, did Debo Samuels say, well, he didn't want to be used uh, like a running back anymore because that was taking a pounding on his body, but still they use him the same way. So that is the guy that the Broncos definitely need to key on. And if they're able to slow him down, they slow down his offense. Yeah, I mean, Debo's obviously the number one guy for them, right? And and he's one of the most dynamic players in the entire league. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the Broncos maybe try to dial up the defense for him. Um, you know, it's also interesting, you know, Pat Sertan is, is day-to-day. It sounds like he'll be questionable for Sunday Nick, when you look at a guy like Debo and you look at the Broncos defense, how do you slow down a guy like that? Do you match him up with a corner, with your top corner? I mean, he's also he also can play running back. He does all these different things. Do you have one guy that just shadows him? Or, or how would you maybe approach defending a guy like that? Well, George, I'll say this. Uh, like most offenses in the league, they tell you what they're going to do pre-snap. And it's, it's, it's sort of like what – uh, Andy Reid was doing with Tyreek Hill. They, they kind of tell you what what's the game plan before the ball is snapped. If Tyreek Hill 
is out wide, then you think that there, there's a high percentage that he's going to get the ball. But if he's in the backfield, to me, that plays and bodes well for the defense because guess what? We don't have to do a lot of thinking. We just have to tackle. The same rule applies with Debo Samuels. If they align him in the backfield, you have to figure nine times out of ten, he's getting the ball. Why put him back there and take him out of a position where he can run down and threaten your defense? Just think about what we saw with Jerry Judy last season with Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer put Jerry Judy in the backfield and ran him on those little ghost screens, but never really gave him the ball. So if I am Azura Evero or anyone on the Broncos defense, the moment I see Debo Samuels in the backfield, I'm alerting everyone, hey, listen, all we need to do is make sure that we are gap sound and we make a tackle. Now, if he's lining up on the ball or he's lining up out wide off the ball, now that's kind of an alert that, hey, listen, there is a high probability that they're going to try to get him the ball, but they may use him somewhat as, as a decoy. But your antennas go up automatically when you have Debo uh, on the field. But I also say this, they use him in that particular way because he is versatile, he is fast, but more importantly, George, he is really strong. I went back and watched the Seattle game you know, last week, even on some of those little toss plays that they gave him, he was still running through you know, two or three guys. So it's yards after contact with Debo. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't treat him like a wide receiver. I would treat him like a running back. Yeah, you know, last week I believe he had, uh, it says here, four rushes, 53 yards. Uh, so obviously they're still trying to get him the ball in creative ways. And I think that he's such a, again, a dynamic player that you, he has to be accounted for in every single play. And there's few guys like that in the league, right? And so I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Broncos attack that. But Nick, one thing that this 49ers team is – extremely good at maybe the best at in the nfl is running the football uh last week they rushed for 189 yards i think the first week they rushed for about 175 yards so they're averaging about 182 yards per game on the ground through two games which is i want to say a league high um we've seen that in kyle Shan shanahan defenses kyle shanahan actually spoke about it uh and we have the audio uh here courtesy of broncos.com yeah i mean i think it's just it's the commitment to it I mean, it's just kind of you get what you emphasize, and um, we emphasize that a lot. Um, regardless of your personnel, regardless of anything, I just that's something that um, I've believed in for a long time. I mean, I think I got that growing up just watching as a fan, and since I've been in the league, I've tried it a bunch of different ways, and I feel the only times that um, you're truly successful and win games is um, consistently and get going places is when you can depend on that run game and make people scared of the run game. And if you do, um, everything else becomes a lot easier. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it's the commitment to it. I mean, it's just kind of. Yeah, so that's that's Kyle Shanahan talking about his scheme. And obviously, Nick, <clears throat> he got that from his dad, Mike Shanahan. I mean, we see Mike's offense still, uh, his imprint still in the NFL today and, and everything uh, that he was doing with the Broncos back in the day. But what maybe stands out about, about this 49ers, this run game? And, and again, it, you, in this league, a lot of teams, you, you look around and, and they're throwing the ball all over the field. But when it comes to it, the great teams can run the football. And the 49ers, since Kyle Shanahan's been the head coach in 2017, has been one of the best teams at running the football. Well, the reason they've been so successful, and Kyle just talked about it, George, is their level of commitment to the run game. It doesn't make a difference how many guys you put in the box. They still feel as though they could be real effective against the run. It's just finding different ways 
to run the ball. When, when you look at this offense, and, and look, there's so many versions of this offense in the NFL, but none is being run quite well as Kyle is running this particular offense because he's a smart guy. He, he knows that you know so many teams have the film, so he has to change it up. And, and what I mean by that is they may run the same play, but they run it out of different formation, different personnel group. They mix it up. And the one thing with, when you watch this offense – on film, there's a lot of misdirection, a lot of ghost plays to kind of get the defense to move, to make easy or set up easy blocks for the offensive linemen. And, and once again, I went back and, and watched some film last night. This is a team that runs a lot on that left side. Now, they will run to the right side to kind of keep someone balanced, but when they want to really kind of gash the defense, Trent Williams is the guy they want to run behind. They pull their guards. They run a lot of zone scheme. They run a lot of gap scheme. And when Trent comes downhill, man, I don't care who you are, he's either going to grab and latch on to you or he's going to throw you out of the way. So this is why Kyle has so much success and so much confidence in the run game because, once again, they, they've come up with so many different ways to attack the defense. And you got to think about this, uh, the influence of his father, Mike Shanahan. There's not – too many defensive schemes and fronts that he hasn't seen. So he's there as an advisor to Kyle and just trying to let him know, hey, listen, this is the way that you should prepare, and this these are some things that you, you're going to face. But it's going to be a tall task for the Broncos uh, this week, and we're really going to see what this defense is made of. Yeah, I mean, when you have the best left tackle in football in Trent Williams, it makes it a lot easier to run the ball at a high success rate, right? So – I think that that's obviously a large part of it, but I think that it's also just a philosophy. Like you said, like he just grew up as a kid watching his dad, Mike, uh, run this type of offense and do the things that they're doing. So I think Kyle's one of the best head coaches in the league. When you look, look at the success that they've had in recent history and really they haven't had like these uber talented rosters. Yes, they have Debo Samuel. uh, But when you look at, some of the other guys on this team in, in certain spots, it's not like they're these just phenomenal uh, and great talented rosters, right? And, and I think that starts at quarterback. Um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit, Nick, about Jimmy Garoppolo, right? I, he's been such a, um, you know, kind of consistent quarterback in terms of what he offers. And obviously, he was not going to be the starter this year. It's going to be Trey Lance, uh, who, who they have high hopes for, obviously, Unfortunately, he he suffered a, a really bad ankle injury last week uh, against the Seahawks. Jimmy G comes in. Jimmy G's played in a Super Bowl. He took him to the NFC Championship last year. Nick, does Jimmy G make them? Does it does it almost make them a better football team for this this single season? Yeah, George, it does because you, you use that C word, and that C word is consistent. Uh, when you have someone playing that quarterback position, you want them to be elite. But there's only so many elite guys in this league. So if you can get a guy that is consistent, that helps your offense because it keeps us in, in flow and in rhythm. We just was talking about Kyle Shanahan and his commitment to running the ball. With that type of commitment, all you need is someone who can just go in there, get everyone lined up, and make the right throws. But here's a, a, some problems with Jimmy, right? Here's the pros and cons. The pro is that he has a lot of uh, NFL experience, playoff experience. Uh, he can throw the ball and put the ball anywhere on the field. But the problem is accuracy, right? How accurate can he be all the time? Go back and watch the tape. He loves throwing to that left side. And sometimes he'll back out and he'll look directly where he's going to uh, throw the ball. And another thing uh, about um, when we talk about 
uh, the quarterback position and Jimmy Garoppolo, here's a con. The con is Jimmy is not going to move to escape the pocket. Now he's going to slide just a little to kind of give him some time to throw the ball down the field, but he's not one of those guys who, who's looking to break the pocket when things start to collapse a, a around him. So yeah, there, there's some confidence in him now because they've seen him, you know, play. But when you look at the overall scheme, was he their guy to begin with? Uh, no, he, he's a great bridge player for them uh, right now. And the Broncos defense, not to say that you should be looking your chops, but there are certain things that Jimmy cannot do that I'm hoping that the Broncos are able to exploit. And if they're able to do that, then they will come out of Sunday's game with the win. Yeah, look, I think Jimmy is a is a nice football player and and is is a decent quarterback. And again, I mean, he's he's played in a Super Bowl. He, he went to the NFC Championship game last year, uh, but he does have his limitations, right? And I think that this Broncos team needs to take advantage of that. They need to, you know, maybe get a turnover here or there if there's an inaccurate pass, right? And it's thrown behind, and you have a chance for an interception. They have to make those plays if they want to win this football game. Last week, Jimmy G was. 13 of 21, 154 yards and one touchdown. So he's he, look, he's not going to to blow you away, right? He's not going to come out and torch you uh, every single week, but he's consistent and he gets the job done. And and uh, that's why the 49ers have been so successful. And and Nick, before we we take a break here, I did want to ask before we dive in a little bit more on the 49ers, uh, looking at the schedule, this may be the best team the Broncos play this season other than maybe the chiefs uh is would you agree in terms of this is one of the biggest tests that they're going to get as a team this entire season i know it's only week three and teams change and improve and uh digress throughout a season but just looking at it right now it looks like this 49ers team might be one of the best they play all year well i don't think it's one of the best that they're going to play all year because you still have uh the rams that they play on, on christmas day yeah you know sean McVay runs a version of this offense and they have uh, better skilled players in certain positions than the 49ers. But I will say it, it is going, it's the first test of the season from a run game standpoint. Uh, when we look at Seattle, their, their run game wasn't uh, on par with that of the San Francisco 49ers and neither were the Houston Texans. So th this is why it's going to be all important because once again, you got Trent Williams playing that left tackle position and you have Debo Samuels who they use in a multitude of different ways. So this is going to test the Broncos from a communication standpoint, but more importantly, can you tackle and can you do it consistently? And that's why Kyle loves a run game because even if he gets one yard on the first six attempts, he's going to keep running it because he knows some guy's going to be out of position. Some guy's going to break down. Some guy's going to be on discipline and he's going to get tired. And that's when they're going to have a home run shot. Because I think if I'm not mistaken, looking at Debo Samuel's numbers, uh, as a rusher, his longest was 51 yards in the game against the Seattle Seahawks. So that's what they wait for, wait for some kind of uh, breakdown to take advantage of it. So that that's the thing that makes this a huge challenge for the Broncos in week three. Yeah, and I think it's also one of those things, Nick, where they they want to make a statement, right? They, they've obviously underperformed through the first two weeks. Um, you know, they haven't played well. I think a lot of people are down on them. If you can get a big win on Sunday night football in prime time and, and, and against a really quality football team, I think that can go a long ways in terms of obviously the outside perception of you, but just momentum in that locker room. And, and obviously these next two weeks are really big. They go to the Raiders next week. Uh, but Nick, let's take a break and then we can dive into to more of what the Broncos can fix 
uh, to combat, obviously, what the 49ers are going to bring this Sunday. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Um, Nick, we, we, we broke down a little bit of what the 49ers are going to do offensively and, and kind of the problems that they present to this Broncos defense. But I want to jump into a little bit of the Broncos offense going against this 49ers defense. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that this 49ers defense has, has some good players and obviously they have some, some nice pass rushers and things like that. But I think we can both agree that the Broncos just need to fix things on their end uh, before they're they're totally focused on their opponent right now. And then that starts in the red zone. Uh, 0 for 6, we've talked about it a lot. 0 for 5 in goal-to-go goal situations as well. Uh, Russell Wilson broke it down yesterday, kind of went through every single uh, scenario in the red zone and, and said, you know, we were this close to scoring on every single one of those. Nick, when you look at the red zone issues, do you look at it like Russell Wilson did where he's like, hey, we've had two fumbles on the one-yard line. We've you know, been an inch away on the Eric Tomlinson touchdown. We had a false start by Cortland Sutton on what should have been an Andrew Beck touchdown. I mean, he kind of just went through the whole list. Do you look at it that way or do you look at it as a bigger issue for them in the red zone right now? No, uh, George, I I look at it the same way because that's the way that it's been presented. The team has moved the ball down the field against their uh, opening two um, teams that they played against. But once they get inside the red zone, it's just like the level of focus really hasn't been there. The fumbles, the false starts, taking points off the board. And I know we don't want to live in a world of if I could have, would have, should have. But as a coach and as a player, you do look at those numbers and you say, okay, well, this is how close we were. Take, take into account, once again, we know, you know, Nathaniel Hackett runs a version of the same offense that Kyle Shanahan runs. Even when Jimmy G came in, guess what? They were two for five in the red zone. They had their fumbles. They had their troubles as well. And and once again, inside the red zone, every team in NFL, they have trouble because that that feel that they were used to having is now being reduced. And not too many offensive coordinators have a lot of plays in their playbook to capitalize off of that short space. So typically what you want to do, George, and, and this is what I hope that Nathaniel Hackett is really thinking about, we're talking about those short, quick throws. Like right now, as soon as the guy turned around, throw it to him. But more importantly, going back to what Kyle said, leaning on the run game. Maybe we should do that a little more in the red zone. I know the defense will be prepared for it, but the Broncos seem to have had a lot of success. And if your offense is worth their salt, the way I think this offensive line, if you can't move a guy off his spot for one yard, two yards, then that's going to be a problem right there within itself. So it's it's keeping things in perspective, not being in a panic mode. It's just the fact of saying, okay, well, we were able to get down in that red zone area, and this would be Russell Wilson, they think, accurate, talking about their offense, but we just need to finish. And for me, that should be the word for this weekend in the red zone. 
We have to find a way to punch it in. We have to find a way to finish. Yeah, Nick, I've got some interesting stats here. If you if you want to hear some of these stats in the red zone that I, I think are intriguing, especially they're, they're Russell Wilson focused here, but they have thrown the ball 18 times in the red zone through two games. That's the third most in the league. Uh, I guess set, tied for second most behind only Joe Flacco with the Jets uh, and then Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs, who's also thrown 18 times. Russell Wilson is eight of 18, so not very good in the red zone right now. But here's here's the optimistic stat that Broncos fans should be like, okay, it's eventually going to come. Since 2017, Russell Wilson is second in the league in, in of quarterbacks in red zone touchdowns. He's he scored 118 touchdowns in the red zone since 2017. The only person who has more is Tom Brady at 120. Uh, eight of those, I think it's eight of those. 118 touchdowns are rushing touchdowns from Russell Wilson. So I know a lot of people are like, why isn't Russell running the ball more in the red zone? History shows he's really not been one that's scrambling and scoring touchdowns. Like I think a lot of us assume he is uh, he's typically throwing the ball. So that's that kind of tells you like, Hey, uh, you know, they're not scoring right now, but history shows in Russell Wilson's career, he's eventually going to get into the end zone. Uh, in the red zone areas. And he, and he talked a little bit about that yesterday. It was like, hey, I've scored a lot of red zone touchdowns. Sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes it's really contested, uh, as we've seen so far with the Broncos down there. But at the end of the day, Nick, uh, it's all about execution. So um, are, are you surprised at all with the way Russell's you know, played in the red zone? And how much of that do you put on uh, those players versus, again, Nathaniel Hackett's gotten a ton of criticism lately but how much is is the execution just on the players down there uh, I, I think it's a combination of both uh two things can be right at the same time uh play calling scheming and execution i mean what were we just talking about as far as yeah. the lack of focus inside the red zone that that's execution within itself you're following the ball guys are jumping off sides or a false start uh it, it's another thing that you know, the execution seems to be there, and then you have your quarterback just kind of throwing interception. That's entirely different. We're not really seeing that. But Russell Wilson is going to sign the red zone. This is for Russell or any other quarterback in the red zone, college or the pros, because you lose a lot of real estate in the red zone. Your quarterback has to be special, especially with the decision-making, whether to throw it or whether to run it. And sometimes you need a quarterback that's mobile, that's going to extend the play, and draw the defense. And just think about it, George. You've seen that. You've seen as much football as I've seen. There's always a quarterback scrambling out of the pocket. The, the defense is attracted to him like a moth to a flame. And then all of a sudden, a guy frees up in the back of the end zone or comes from the opposite side, and the quarterback sees him and throws it to him. These are the type of plays that you you have to work on. And and hopefully, uh, the Broncos are working on it because now. You usually see these scramble drills out in the field. No, you need to do a scramble drill in the end zone because you need your wide receivers to uncover themselves. Don't run to a spot, stand there, and then wait. Oh, hey, I did my job. No, uncover, get free. Going back to the Seattle game against the San Francisco defense, it was out in the field. Tyler Lockett, he ran from the left side to the right side, freed up and created some space and gave Geno Smith an adequate target to throw. This is what our receivers need to do. And this is kind of the evolution in my mind for the receiving group and that offense. Yeah. And they're going to need guys to step up, like you said, Nick. And I think that we all want to see Javante Williams uh, get the ball more down there, right? When he's averaging, you know, whatever it was, seven yards per carry last week. 
Um, but I, I do think that they'll go to Cortland Sutton. He seems like Cortland has become a go-to guy in this offense when you talk about the chemistry that he has with Russell Wilson. And, and Wilson, again, talked about that yesterday and just what Cortland brings to this offense. But it's going to be interesting to see if they can finally – It feels Nick, it feels just like there's like an invisible wall on the goal line for the Broncos right now, and they just yeah. need to break through it, right? They just need to get over that hump, get one – in the end zone and and everything will be okay. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they approach that. Nick, what maybe stands out about this 49ers defense? We, we've talked a little bit about the Broncos offense, but what what exactly stands out? What, what are they good at? Uh, I know they've got, again, they've got some nice pass rushers up front, but uh, they've also got some veterans there at linebacker. Um, what maybe stands out about this group? Well, they have playmakers on all through levels, and you definitely have to do that if you're going to be a decent defense in this league. Fred Warner, man in that middle linebacker position. He's the guy that gets everyone lined up, guy with a green dot on his helmet. And he's one of those sideline-to-sideline type of linebackers. He's a guy that can hit, shed, and make those tackles as well. And you think about, you know, uh, Nick Bosa, right? I mean, what more can I say about him? When you look at uh, guys who are leading sacks in the league. I believe he's third in, in, in sacks. So he's definitely a guy that you want to pay attention to. You don't want to just kind of give him all your attention. You create a one-on-one -on -one matchups across the board. But still, you want to make sure that you know where he is. Uh, Manuel Mosley playing that corner position. He plays with a certain type of mentality and aggressiveness. No, does he have the talent of a guy like uh, PS2? No, but he is scrappy and he will get after you. And their safety, Bufanga, uh, number 29, they bring him down in the box at times, and they will blitz him. And, and we're talking about D'Amico Ryan's not just blitzing him on downs that you think are a blitz downs like third down. No, they will bring him down, and he will blitz off the edge even on first down. So they have playmakers on that, their team, and their playmakers defensively have really helped kind of pan and smooth things out, both for Jimmy G and for Trey Lance. So these are some of the things that you definitely – uh, need to uh, look at and think about when you're facing this offense. But I want to go back to something you said, and you brought up Cortland Sutton and Russell talking about Cortland, how great he is, the catch radius, and all of that. Do you feel in this game, with Jerry Judy being day-to-day, -day, um, if he does play, you don't know how much he's going to play, especially with those ribs. Do you do you think that they there may be too much offensive focus on getting Cortland Sutton the ball because he is now wide receiver one? I don't think there's too much focus. I don't think when you have a player as good as Cortland, I don't think you it's like and maybe Debo's is an extreme example. But like when you have a really good player, you want to get him the football. And I think Cortland showed last week that he can do some great things when you throw it his way. Um, now, I do think they're playing a much better defense this week. I mean, we, we talked a lot about the 49ers offense and this being the biggest test that the Broncos defense has had. This is also going to be the best you know, defense that they've played so far. Uh, when you talk about some of the guys that they have in San Francisco. So, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, look, if if, if Jerry can't go, then Cortland's going to get a lot of targets, right? Um, and they're going to – but they're also going to need guys like Kendall Hinton and Tyree Cleveland and Montreal Washington and maybe Jalen Virgil if he gets called up. Those guys are going to have to step up because the 49ers obviously are going to key in on a guy like Cortland Sutton and say, hey, we're going to shut him down. You're going to have to go somewhere else with the football. And so those other guys uh, are going to have to come up with plays, but no, I mean, I think when you have a really good player, a pro bowl type player in, in, in Cortland Sutton, I don't think you can ever overemphasize. Do, do you agree with that? 
No, I mean, I do agree with that, but I mean, the 49ers know. I mean, they 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 yeah. get the injury report. They know what's going on uh, with, with Jerry Judy and the wide receivers here. So they know that there may be a more uh, heavy emphasis on getting caught in the ball more than uh, they've done it so far this season. So with that being said, if I'm Justin Allen and I am Nathaniel Hackett, I'm making sure I'm having those meetings and saying, okay, listen, we, we know what they know. So why don't we try to get other guys involved? Because when we look at the, the box score at the end of the game, I, I want to see that Russell did a great job of spreading the ball around. Even if Corlin has another game where he has over 100 yards receiving, that's okay. But when we see that he's been spreading the ball around, that means that defensive coordinator for 49ers, D'Amico Ryans, he just can't look at one player and say, well, we're going to shift our defense sort of like uh, in baseball when they kind of shift a certain way when they know a guy is going to hit in a certain direction. No, we want to make sure that there is versatility in the offense and we're forcing the defense to defend horizontally and vertically. So I want to see the tight ends utilized more. That that touchdown by Saubert, you know, outside the 20 or inside the 20, rather, to me, that shouldn't make the 49ers a little leery because now if you're able to get Saubert in the scene, you're able to get one of those passes, now you make the linebacker starting to, you know, drift back a little more. Fred Warner has to drift back more. Now the underneath routes are there. You can dump down in the checkdowns to the running backs in the backfield, and that's how you really soften up this defense to a point where you can, you know, it's, it's almost like whatever you want to do is, is, is there uh, for you, but you can only do that if you are spreading the ball around. That's why I'm not really high or just trying to focus on getting caught and sudden the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to have a, a certain type of balance, right? Like you can't yeah. just throw out the court line on every single play, even though it seemed like that's what they did in the second half last week against Houston. But it's one thing to do it against the Texans and another to do it against the 49ers, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But I agree with the tight ends. You know, I feel like they've tried to utilize them at times. I just don't know if they have the talent right now at that spot. Like, I, I think Eric Sauber, Eric Tomlinson, um, you know, are, are nice players and, and they're really good blockers. Andrew Beck could probably fit in there as well. Like, they, they're really good in the run game and uh, do some nice things. Uh, Albert O, I want to see more from him, right? Like, we were, we thought he could be an elite tight end in this league and we just haven't seen it yet. Uh, and Eric, Eric Sobert made a great grab last week, but I don't think you can expect that from him all the time in terms of being a pass catcher. So I think that they really need to improve on that. And, and obviously, you know, they're getting Greg Dulcich back here, I think, in, in a week or two. So, um, you know, I think that he could be a big boost for this offense, especially when you talk about all these receivers being down. Quickly, Nick, do you think Jerry Judy is going to play this week? Is that an injury? Ribs? Is that something that you think – a guy can fight through and, and play. I feel like that's a pretty, uh, it, it would, I feel like that would hurt a lot. Like ribs, again, I've never had a ribs injury, but that sounds very painful for a football player. You listen, I've been hitting the ribs before and, and it made me immediately go to my knees. I mean, so much so the receiver ran right past me, right? Because you're not trying to get up and try to tackle anyone. That's a very difficult injury to deal with. Just think about it, man. I mean, as a wide receiver, you're blocking, you're running routes, you're breathing, your lungs are expanding. That that hurts and puts pressure on your ribs. And here's the other thing. The defense knows that your ribs are hurting too, George. So anytime yeah. you catch the ball, guess what we're going to do? We're going to punch at those ribs, right? Because of that. And, and listen, we don't want to lose Jerry Judy uh, longer than you know we have to. 
right? It, it's a long season. If he has to sit out and those other guys have to go in, we just have to make do, and it's on the, the, the coaching staff and offensive coordinators to get those guys up to speed and put them in the right position. But if Jerry cannot go, and I'm not talking about 60%, I'm not talking about 70%. If he cannot go because he's having difficulties, I say don't play him. Yeah, yeah. I Look, it's a long season. Um, and as much as they want to win on Sunday night football and it would be a, a big win and all that, I think the game next week is actually more important when you talk about a division game in Las Vegas. You haven't you haven't beaten the Raiders on the road in a long time. Uh, that secondary is suspect at times for the for the Raiders. I think that you'd rather have Jerry back. Same with Sertan, right? We, we could have the same discussion about Sertan. It's like, hey, if these guys aren't healthy, um, yeah, I don't think there's a there's it's worth it's not worth the risk, right, Nick? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what those guys do to uh, to you know injuries that I think the Broncos caught a break on. But again, you don't want to force it this week. So Nick, let's take a break. Uh, and then we will dive into some of our uh, keys to the game. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, I know you wanted to talk about something very specific, and obviously you can speak to this better than, than I ever could, but... You know, we talked a little bit about the Broncos receivers and, and obviously the injuries they've had and, and just kind of, um, you know, the dynamic that they have, though, at that receiver's position. Can you talk a little bit about just the importance of dual training, especially for guys like that and why that is maybe so important for, for those guys at that position? Well, it becomes dual training is uh, so valuable in the NFL on both sides of the ball, but it becomes so important for the Broncos uh, this week, because with, you know, Tim Patrick being down, Jerry Judy suffering, you know, rib injuries, KJ Hamler dealing with his uh, uh, injuries with his lower extremities. You know, you have guys like Jalen Virgil, uh, Tyree Cleveland and Montreal Washington. And, and some of these guys are just used to playing certain positions on the offense. Case in point, let's just say if you're Montreal, I mean, you, you brought in you, your receiver, your returner. But most likely we will see him because he is short in stature and he's got a quick burst. Normally you put that guy in a slot. And some guys just learn the slot position and that's all they learn. But now it's about dual training. And that means learning more than one position. So that means that you're putting a lot on the plates of these guys. And some of these guys that who have never been, you know, starters for an extended period of time. Now in a short week, you are forcing them to somewhat consume so much information and learn different positions because Corlin Sutton is wide receiver one. And if he needed a break because he was tired, Tyree Cleveland needs to slide over in that slot. Maybe you need to put Jalen Virgil if he's up in, in that slot. So you, you need to make sure that you know multiple positions because that's the key, George, to surviving in the NFL. The more you can do and the more that you know. So it's going to be interesting to see how well that these guys have grasped uh, a hold of the offense and knowing as though they may be playing a different role than they played previously or what they learned during training camp. Is is Debo the perfect example of that? Like, I, I know that like we're talking about the Broncos, but like, it feels like Debo, if you were to have like the perfect example, it would be Debo, Debo Samuel. Am yeah, I wrong in saying that? Yeah, he would be the definitely, definitely that guy. But just, you know, think about before even Debo, Percy Harvin. We used to play yeah. the Seahawks. He was kind of that versatile, do everything uh, type of guy. But that that is longevity in the league, and 
depending on who you ask and how you utilize. Uh, it, it could be a gift and it could be a curse at the same time. You utilize a lot because of your versatility, but also you're exposed to more injuries due to the level of contact because of the reps that you've been given. But it, it is still something that threats opposing defense. They don't know exactly at times how to stop certain people. But I still go back to this. I mean, if you have a guy like Debo and his talent, he can only hurt you when, for me, when he's out wide. When he's in the backfield, now I feel as though you stand a chance because it's 11 guys on defense trying to tackle this one guy, and if he's in the backfield, why do you think he's back there? They, they rarely use him as a decoy. Nine times out of ten, he's going to get he's going to get the ball. But having guys and training guys from a dual uh, training uh, type of way is, is something that you know. The, this is kind of like the new NFL, especially with so uh, these salaries being so inflated with the quarterbacks. You, you you won't be able to get a lot of premier talent to service your defense or your offense. So you're going to have to have guys who can play multiple positions. Yeah, and I think you see that on the defensive side of the ball too with the Broncos, right? You've got guys like Caden Stearns, who's, you know, kind of played in, in different spots. And, um, you know, you've got corners that can play inside corner, outside corner. Uh, Isang Bassey might be a really good example, right? He plays anywhere in the secondary. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you're exactly right. I think it's super important. And, and especially for those receivers, those Broncos receivers, you know, this week are going to have to step up, right? If, if Jerry Judy's not playing, guys are going to have to play in different spots and make some plays. I think K.J. Hamler is somebody that, we're really interested to see where is he at this week? Is he going to play uh, after taking last week off? And it, it looks like he is. I mean, he's practicing. I know he's limited in practice, but um, he could be a big boost for this offense this week too. But Nick, let's get into some of the keys, the the very important keys to this game this week. Um, you know, for me, I think the number one key, and we, we talked about it in the first segment, is stopping the run, right? Like this, that's what the 49ers want to do. And I'm not saying – you know, keep them to under 50 yards rushing because that's not going to happen, right? Like they're probably going to rush for 100 yards, but don't let them gas you uh, for big plays in the run game. Really try to slow that down. That's why you went and you got DJ Jones from the 49ers, right? Like that's the type of guy that can maybe stop uh, or, or help slow down this rushing attack. Josie Jewell, it looks like he's starting to practice. Maybe he can come back and he could be a big boost in the running game. But that to me is my number one key this week for the Broncos is if, you know, make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you, uh, right? Like make him make some big plays in this game to beat you. Uh, because I think that the Broncos offense does figure it out this week. They do start scoring some points, but the way that you lose this 49ers team is, is, is death by paper cuts when it comes to the run game. Right. Uh, and so I, I think that that's where the Broncos need to, to have their focus this week is stopping that run game. For a second there, man, you reminded me of a uh, good old Vic Fangio with that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with that uh, cuts by. Uh, what did you say? What is? What did you call it? Death by paper cuts, right? Death by paper cuts. But you know what? Here's the thing. You're absolutely right. Being able to shut down that run and force the 49ers to play with one hand tied behind their back. That's exactly what you want to do because here's what we know. Uh, Jimmy is uh, a decent quarterback. And he can move the ball down the field because he instills a lot of confidence in that offense. But also, he's uh, consistent at maybe making some error throws, throwing some uh, interceptions. So this is what you want to force him to do. And let's go back to the, the rushing. Right now, uh, the 49ers are second in the league, giving up 67 yards per game. The Broncos are in fifth position, giving up 73. 
So, so when you see that there's not a big gap between what the 49ers are giving up and what the Broncos are giving up. So you have two quality teams that play well against uh, the run. Both coaches want to establish the run. We, we already established how Kyle Shanahan lives and by, lives and dies by the run and wants to use that because now that opens up play action for, for his offense. So that is something to pay attention to. But I'll throw this out as a matchup that uh, I'm, I'm anxiously looking forward to. I'm looking at the pass rush, man. I'm looking at Trent Williams, Mike McGlitchie against uh, Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb. And I want to see what Draymond Jones is going to do. Does he have an encore performance? Because both Chubb and Draymond Jones, they, they're, they're kind of in that pack of the guys in the league. They're both sitting at the eighth position. But, I mean, Nick Bosa only has one more sack than they have. And you add DJ Jones to that mix, a guy playing against his former team, you got to think that he's going to be fired up uh, for that. So I want to see how our defensive line perform against that offensive line. But more importantly, what's going to happen with those matchups on the, on the edges? Yeah, I mean, the game is one in the trenches, right, Nick? We always, we always hear that, that line. And I think that that's going to be true this week. I think you could say that for both sides of the ball. I think, uh, you know, Bradley Chubb against Trent Williams, Randy Gregory against Trent Williams, whatever it is, Whoever's on the other side uh, during that play needs to get after the quarterback right from that right tackle spot. And so I wonder if they dial up, you know, some of that NASCAR package uh, where you've got some different pass rushers in there to get after Jimmy Garoppolo, because again, you can get after him. He'll make a mistake. Uh, and in, in this game, you need to win the turnover battle. You need to get the ball uh, and you need to make some plays defensively, I think, to win this game. And I think on the other side, right, the offense, like you said, uh, I think you said 49ers are only giving up 67 yards on the ground you know, through two games, Broncos need to be able to run the ball. And I know that's going to be a tough task against this 49ers, you know, defensive front, but you need to feed Javante Williams, get it to Melvin Gordon, uh, let those guys go. Cause we've seen when the running game works, the Broncos are moving the football. Uh, Nick, one other spot that I think is an important uh, matchup here is the head coaching battle. Uh, we talked about Kyle Shanahan uh, and obviously he's been in the league now, you know, for, I think this is his fifth or sixth season as a head coach. Um, you know, he's, he's done a lot of really good things and we've seen Nathaniel Hackett struggle through two games as a head coach, managing the game and things like that. And actually Kyle, this week, I asked him on the conference call about, uh, some of the, the, you know, juggling and challenges of being a first time head coach. And I thought he gave, um, some really good praise to Nathaniel Hackett here. And we, we have the audio from Broncos.com. I mean, it goes with the whole offense. You need everybody doing it together. It's not just always about just getting the play in or stuff like that. You need the receiver substitutions. You need the quarterback in the line. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. Um, so it, yeah, always you're responsible for it, but that, it takes a whole a whole team to do that the right way. And that's early on. It is a little bit harder, especially when you're doing playing, doing it with a bunch of new players. So that takes time to do. But I mean, I, I remember my first game. I, I went for it four times, um, and they were ones I should not have gone for it and I had never done that before and I always then that's when I realized all right you can't think like the coordinator so there's all experiences that you go through for the first time but it is I mean he's done this for a while um and you guys got a good coach there and a very good offensive play caller well Nick what's maybe your reaction to that real quick before we wrap here but I think that just my quick takeaway is is you know Nathaniel Hackett we just have to be patient with him right and and I think that um, you know, he'll have a better game this week. I know it was really sloppy last week. Obviously, the controversy from week one, we're not going to talk about with the long field goal because uh, we've talked about it a million times. But 
just your takeaway from Kyle Shanahan. And obviously he struggled early. I think he went six and 10 his first year. Now, I don't think he had the talent that this Broncos team did on that 49ers team. But, um, you know, what's maybe your quick takeaway from from that? I, I liken this to uh, driving for the first time. Do you, do you remember when you got your learner's permit and yeah. you, you hit the road for the first time and you, you were not really sure of how well to drive and you were aware of all the cars and, you know, your parents were sitting in the car with you and they were nervous as hell because they didn't know what you were going to do. Do you know the difference between the gas and the brake? It's kind of that same type of philosophy. You learn as you go and the more you do it, the better you get at it. And I thought it was really important what Kyle said about how he did the challenges that he faced when he was a coach. He went for, you know, fourth downs a, a lot. I mean, Brandon Staley did it with the Chargers, and he's become known for doing that. But it's, it's trial by fire in these situations, and you learn. But the more important thing that Kyle said was when he said, well, he was thinking so much as an OC and not as a head coach. That could be the issue with, Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, as an OC, you know, you want to score points and maybe he needs to pull back just a little and be a head coach and not think so much as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. And and I'm kind of diving into that this week for a story I'm working on for the Denver Gazette. Um, so you guys can check that out. But I do think that, um, you know, patience is warranted with a new, you know, with a rookie head coach. Right. And and I think that um, Kyle can relate to that in, 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 a, in a unique way. But I think you're right, Nick. He's got too much going on right now. I think he has maybe too many people in his ear, if that makes sense, right? He's got people telling him, hey, you know, game management this. Hey, let's think about this offensive play call. Uh, I'm sure defense is in his ear, ear too. And it's just new to him, right? He's never done this before. So I, I think that it's all going to be stuff that he's going to have to learn and, and grow as, as the season goes. But that's a mismatch this week, right? I think that the, the head coaching uh, matchup is obviously in favor of the 49ers, but I do think that Nathaniel Hackett uh, does a little bit better job this week, mostly because it, it can't really get worse than it was last week <laughs> when the fans are counting down the play clock. But, Nick, before we get out of here, let's do some quick predictions. Uh, how do you see this game shaking out? Well, for me, it's going to be a, a close game. And from, from a scoring standpoint, man, I'm going to put this like maybe mm, – I don't know why I, I'm feeling like 21-17. Right, that that's kind of what I'm I'm feeling because we know Jim, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo can move the ball down the field. We know what Debo Samuel is capable of, but I think it's going to be one of those 21-17 games. The Broncos uh, get the victory on Sunday Night Football to go to two and one. Yeah, I'm going to just add field goals to both your your scores. <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's 24-20, but I think it's somewhere in that range, and I think the Broncos lose. Um, I think that this 49ers team is, is a really good football team. Uh, I think it's a playoff team. I think that the, they might end up winning their division. I know that's a really tough division when you talk about the Rams and, and what they're doing, but I just think that the 49ers are, are built really well. I really like this team. I think that they could make another run like they did a year ago. Uh, and I just see the Broncos right now in, in a position where they're still filling things out. They're still trying to figure out some of the things that have gone wrong through, wrong through the first two weeks. Uh, and I don't know if this is the week that they finally figured out. I do think they finally get in the red zone and they score a red zone touchdown and everybody can, you know, you know, relax on that. But I think that uh, the Broncos do lose this week, um, you know, to the 49ers. And then I, again, next week is the big, bigger game for me in terms of you, if you had to win one of these next two games, 
uh, it's against the Raiders. But maybe the Broncos go out and they, they surprise us both, Nick, and they go win on Sunday night, and then they turn around and beat the Raiders next week. But, Nick, any final thoughts before before we get out of here? Well, final thoughts, man. The key to the game is shutting down Debo Samuels, forcing Jimmy Garoppolo uh, to beat you. If uh, the Broncos can do that, then now it increases their opportunity to win on Sunday night football. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, Nick. Um, you know, it, it's it's make somebody else other than Debo and, and that running attack and, and all those things that the 49ers do. Make somebody else beat you, and that somebody else is, is Jimmy Garoppolo. So uh, we'll see if the Broncos can do that this week. A really big one, Sunday night, primetime. Um, you know, if you guys are out there, you know, hit us up. Um, Nick, are you going to the game? I might do. Uh, I might show up. You never yeah. know. You never yeah. know. Well, I'll be there. Come wave to me in the press box. Uh, <laughs> but, Nick, thanks again. Um, and thanks to everybody who's listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Please share it. Uh, send it to your friends. Send it to your mom. Um, you know, moms love, you know, podcasts and, and things like that. I know my mom loves this podcast. So <laughs> make sure you guys share it with all your people. But uh, thanks again. And we'll see you guys next week on Touchdown Denver.